there and welcome to Thrive Church Podcast here in Puyallup, Washington. We're so glad you found us and hope you enjoy listening to this sermon of the week. Passionate revivalist and amazing man of God, evangelist. Uh, I mean, uh, he's actually the one taking me to Nicaragua, by the way, if you didn't know that. So um, uh, I'm super excited about that. And would you please just uh, stand and welcome and honor him this morning as he comes to minister. message I brought last night about how the widow's son in Nain had no organs in his body when Jesus raised him from the dead. But maybe next time. (laughs) And the only reason I want to do that is because there's nothing that God can't reach to do the miracle that you need in the realm that you're hungering for in your life. So that story shatters anything that's limiting you, anything that's confining you, anything that has controlled you, created mindsets within your life because of your life that might limit you from accessing your tomorrows and begin enjoying them today. Yeah. Good. So you can feel the Spirit of God in that, right? And that's one thing this house can be known for, be known for the presence and also an epicenter of an outpouring of God wow. in a place where the Father's face <laughs> would be very visible and real to people and the embrace of the Father will be felt before people walk into the building. Now you understand, as I talk, you'll get touched. Even if it didn't make sense when I said it. Because I'm not really interested in always articulating accurately what I'm supposed to say. I'm interested in souls. I'm interested in them knowing God. I'm interested in them knowing the beauty of God, experiencing the absolute wonder of God, you know, to to absolutely be transfigured simply because of the the knowledge of his love for you. And so, Father, we welcome you today. And by the way, I love you, Pastor, and I think my wife and I, my wife was there too, I think, on that line, and she was there that day, and, you know, God has, God, God, God's the one that orchestrates relationships that and a, a pure relationship is a relationship that does want to see the best for the other person yeah. there's no you know it wants to see the other person you know have all that God wants them to have and so so the joy I have is hearing him say that in some small way his life was touched and his church and a word game came to him and caused him to actually be touched by God for his destiny. That is why I live. So whenever I hear, I never know when that's going to happen. So I'm always surprised when I hear like, wow, this happened. Wow, and I had, I had a chance to be a part of even serving in the smallest way. This man, his wife, his family, his destiny. Wow. So I'm already, I'm already happy just hearing something like that because that is my heart. And um, so, Father, we love you because that's your heart. We, we absolutely adore you. We worship you. We, we surrender this moment to the Lordship of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the absolute beauty, majesty, goodness, sweetness, intentionality of, of your passion for us. You're so good. You're so amazing. You're so absolutely beautiful. And I love that song about the blood. Though the blood of Jesus is speaking even today in the courts of heaven. The blood of Jesus speaking in the earth and crying out, Lord, for everything of the blood of Jesus 
wants to do. Not only bring us to heaven, not only give us a relationship with the Father, but the blood of Jesus is crying out from the, in the earth to give Jesus the reward of his sufferings, to give Jesus what would satisfy him, to give Jesus the drink that he longs for, to give him the souls that he lives for and died for and rose again for and sent the Holy Ghost for. Lord, we hear the blood crying out, Lord, to give us everything that was purchased for us by that act of sacrifice and love on our behalf, becoming sin and dying for us, that he can be to us everything that his heart yearned to be. And then, Lord, work with us, co-labor with us, Lord, as we move into the earth, oh, Lord, to give you the reward of your suffering. Lord, your blood is screaming and crying out today in the earth. Lord, the finished work of the cross, oh, Lord God, is to finish the final stages of the glory of the body of Christ in the glory of Jesus in the earth. So Lord, we give you glory today. We give you glory today. And we're hungry today, not just for you, Lord, but we're hungry, oh Lord, for others. Lord, when you saved us, you had others in mind. When you touched us, you had others in mind. When you revealed something to us, you had others in mind. Lord, we are part of one flow, one body, one outpouring in the latter days where the reaper will overtake the sower and the sower will overtake the reaper and you will call out of the earth a people, O oh Lord, the born again, who will be history makers, world changers, and bring forth your glory in the earth and finish the work that you started and give God a name on this planet. Oh God, today in these few minutes we have, may there be the igniting that our one sister shared today. May you ignite us, O oh Lord, supernaturally by the power of God. Lord, that you would touch us in such a way and personalize your heart to us. We love you, God. We love you, God. You're an ever-quickening resurrection spirit. And never impossible con Dios. There's nothing impossible with God. And therefore, Lord, we are shaking ourselves of anything that would hold us back into the familiarity of the mediocrity of not seeing the glory of God. That is not who this church is. That is not who we are. Lord, this church is a house that will be a place, oh Lord, that will literally be the gate of heaven where people will go in and out in the city that you are planting them in, Lord. And Lord, and you're going to release that in Jesus' name. Okay. Amen. Chad, thank you also for the freedom. See, when God, and this, I've been a pastor, my wife and I have been pastors eight times in four countries. Okay, so I love pastors. So it's not like I like preaching in churches. I really don't. But it's kind of like in churches. But I love the body of Christ. I love people. So anytime I get a privilege to meet people who are the church, I'm happy. So I get to meet new people. I get to, you know, I'm, I was having church in the car, in the foyer. It's kind of like, you know, I mean, like, you know, I mean, like, because I, I'm, I'm, I'm just so hungry for well, who you are. You see, once you begin to see the way the Father sees you, then you can become who you've always been. Once you see the way God sees you, then you can become who you've always been. You just didn't know it. That's just like a pastoral thing, yeah. You know, because people don't know who they are. People don't know how God feels about them. I want to tell you, when God says something to your life, to your life, the only thing he's, that word is settled in heaven. 
where God is. So the only thing God sees every day about your life is what he said. So if you tell him something different than what he said, or tell others something different than what he said about you, God's not in that conversation. He doesn't know what you're talking about. You're speaking a foreign language. He doesn't understand what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. This is the way I talk about you. If you want to talk to me about your identity the way I see it, we can have a communication. Because God doesn't see you the way you see yourself. And he doesn't treat you the way others or you treat yourself. He treats you in the way to make you yourself according to the way he thinks. It's the way it is. See, there are certain thinking patterns, certain renewed mind concepts that shape my, my life, my ministry and everything. As I'm also going from glory to glory, not gory to glory. As much as people want to make me feel better about myself, it's only an opportunity just to change the way I think, repent and confess, and then it's over with. And then I'm now a new man. I've just been changed by something that someone's done or said, negative or positive. It doesn't really matter. To me, it's just a launching pad for more of Jesus. Yeah. And be more like him. We always win. Yeah. Are you, I, I, I will enjoy your first album because you definitely need to write songs. So I don't know anything about you, but, you know, I didn't even know you sang so good. You're probably the only man on the planet that will give me an opportunity to sing with you once, maybe in the shower, when you're in the living room. But the reality, the reality is, you know, and I, uh, John, and Ke- uh, John and Emily Kosterman um, right here, they're part of our team. He's also uh, the coordinator and facilitator with my wife of our Desirable Nations team that's going to Nicaragua. So, you know, John was gracious to come today. Of course, he's been to two nations, I believe, with us. So is Emily. And Keith Johnson over there, he was with us in the Dominican Republic. And he's been a friend for many, many, many years. So they just came to show up. They kind of liked me, didn't want me to feel lonely. And then out, out of nowhere, the, this family in the back is the Robillard family. John and Christine, and John, I passed it on the island of Lanai in the South Pacific, an island of about 3,000 people, and I met John there, and he met his wife in one of the church plants from the house I work with um, in Seattle, and so this, and I thought, thought I'd just let you know, they're amazing people also. And um, so I, I, me, life to me is friendships and relationships. It's not places to preach. Um, it's not any of that kind of stuff. It's basically I get the privilege to be in a relationship. So let's just, let's just do something. So anyway, you're going to write music. So write music and write songs. Obviously, we weren't going to take no for an answer on that one, were we? Well, anyway, I don't have my real Bible. It fell apart in Nicaragua. So I found this new other Bible. Um, so I just want to talk something about identity because we are on a time limit. And I want to be sensitive to that. And I appreciate the pastor because when, that, when there was a song where the Spirit of God is in, that's the moment of encounter. So I just figured, like... I don't know everybody well enough to turn the service at that moment into a meeting of revival. I don't know anybody. I have to know people. So, but what I did do was move around in the house and take the liberty, which I felt I could have, to minister to different ones individually because I wanted you to have a personalized touch from God in your life. And then if you, when you live for others, you always feel them. You always feel them. And because you don't have an agenda, you always feel what's in their heart or how God wants to touch them. Like I'll just, I usually do it publicly so that you can hear what God is saying to them so you can see if it's God. Like I 
like him, that means a spot-on revivalist. You know, there's a real mark in his life to not to be completely different, even than his own bloodline, but to step out in a realm that's uniquely different to really liberate people and emancipate people from the mindsets of religious uh, control and, and manipulation and bondage and set people free to experience and encounter God. So he's a revivalist. There's an anointing to end in his life for that. And of course, she was right next to him, so I figured she was included in this. And so I didn't see any ring. I wasn't looking. I just, I, I got lucky. You know, that's my sister, dude. No, that was, you know. But anyway, and so, and then both of you, and I said, you're going to be like a Joan of Arc. I mean, you got to take a singular, unique approach in life where you're unwilling to allow any injustice to remain as long as you're, you're alive. See, when God says things to people, you got to find that if he said it, if he said it, it's already done because the word that's written or spoken is breathed. So God's breath takes many forms, but one way his breath takes form is word, and through the prophetic word, God is breathing through words, and whatever he breathes on comes alive. So the longer you believe what God said and hold fast to what God said and don't stagger at what God said, you get this constant breathing of God upon your life that brings to pass what God said. That's how it works. I'm only looking for the things that work. That's why it's really important to always stay completely fixed to what God says. I got a lot in my brain. I got a clock I'm looking at. Genesis chapter 2, I'm going to read. No, Exodus chapter 2, I'm sorry. We don't need Adam and Eve to be made again. God, you're so good. You're so beautiful. You're so incredible. Okay. Exodus chapter 2, verse uh, 23 to 25, then chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 15, and then just a couple of points about the identity of your house, and then what impartation into your identity if you embrace it as a church. If you embrace it, there'll be a breath of God and an impartation to make it happen in your life. So there's a shift. This, the primary shift is not a building in your ministry. The primary shift is the mentality in your ministry. The primary shift is the way you want to do life and who you want to be moving forward. So you really need to look back and forget anything that's negative. The word forget means to be completely, entirely oblivious to anything negative. That's ever happened in your life. You've got to be oblivious to it. That's why I don't remember negative things about people as much as I can. Why? Because it really doesn't exist by the blood. So we're trying to remember the good things about people, trying to remember the things that touched our life, in our life, the pure and the lovely and noble and those things, and then we can feed on those things and move into our tomorrows. That's the way it works. But this was something I really wanted to do, the dead raising thing, but another time. Because I know some of you have been here a long time, and you know, whenever you're in a ministry a long time, or promises don't take come to pass in a long time, everybody keeps prophesying they're going to come to pass, they don't come to pass in such a long time. There's a sickness called hope deferred. It's a genuine sickness. I don't have it, but it's a sickness. It's a sickness. And it's hope deferred sickness. But when the desire is fulfilled, it's a tree of life. You see what I mean? You go through long periods of time. That's the enemy's time to try to discourage you that what God already said to you will not happen because it's been too long. And then, of course, if you're in a church, you always blame the pastor. 
So that's a lot. That's really great. You join a witch's coven and speak, get a broom and a hat, and you start speaking against the pastor. What's wrong with John and his wife? How come they're not doing this? How come a church ain't growing? How come all this stuff? And you haven't won a soul in five years. I know what you're talking about. Or two years. In other, in other, in other words, we, in other words, that's witchcraft, and that that gives the devil legal access to your your house, your vision, your family, and your ministry. All the while, you think yourself righteous because you know what the pastor should be doing, and how come he goes to Bethel and doesn't seem to be able to do it? What they're doing? How come this? How come this? And what that does? What that does is kills God's ability to help him become what God wants in his heart. Don't you think I was a pastor? Church I started on the night had 12 people. I won't even tell you the story, it's hilarious. I mean, I felt like I was being judged for some sin in the, in the medieval ages I did or something when I was pastoring that church. One year, nobody got saved. One year, nobody, nothing happened at church. And, and a woman would f fart and belch in the front row every Sunday morning and drive away every visitor. So I understand things can be difficult in the pastoral ministry. <laughs> The church ended up 5% of the island. Uh, it affected the other islands. 5% of the island were in that church at one point. And I'm just saying, it doesn't matter what's happened. What will happen will happen. So therefore, you need to come into unity about the way you think about each other and talk about each other. You got your own personal audience for Jesus. What are you getting upset with him for anyway? Hmm? So I don't want to start off ruining your love for me, but you know the, the bottom line is I'm, I'm here to serve our destiny. And I'm just saying pastors are not, are, are not the subject of arrows of witchcraft being in your thinking or in your words. So therefore, if that's happening in your life, because you're being, you're being legally stopped from things in your life when you do that. Oh, you're being stopped. The enemy has access to you. Has access to your dreams and visions. Okay? So that's why we honor every pastor. We honor everybody in the body of Christ. We honor everybody. And we're not going to be in any witch's covenant believers in the, in the self-righteous, glorified understanding of God and speak evil about the body of Christ because they are the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's just take 30 seconds. Take care of that. I'm, I, I don't know why I brought that up, but I did. Okay, Father, in Jesus' name, and if that's you, just talk to God for 30 seconds. Lord, we ask you to forgive us in any way in this house that we have in any way not had the love that God has for th this family, this entire family, Pastor John his family. And Lord, we just let you right now. We just say, oh, that's great. Thanks for telling me. I shut the door to that. I, the blood of Jesus speaks for me in that. And now, Lord, Lord, I just, I want to see the gold in one another. I believe the vision you've given to this house. And because of your goodness and your love, you're going to fulfill everything the blood of Jesus paid for. To give the vision that you've placed in our pastor's heart, the vision you've placed in our heart. And so, Lord, there's a fresh wind of your presence today. In this transition, we're not bringing anything of the old and the way we looked at life or this house into the new. Because it's going to be a new wineskin. It's going to be a new way of thinking. Amen. Amen. Wasn't that refreshing? After a long time, the king of Egypt died. The people of Israel groaned because they were forced to work very hard. When they cried for help, God heard them. God heard their cries, and he remembered the agreement he had made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He saw the troubles of the people of Israel, and he was concerned about them. One day, and you're going to realize the way God works in life. There's the one day. That wasn't like the day before. You need to realize there's the one day.
And you don't know when that day is sometime, neither did Moses. But there came a day where the man who couldn't speak very well, but didn't, didn't actually go about things in a way because he had a good heart, that caused a lot of problems. But there came a day God said, this is my day, and this is the one day that's going to shift your life forever. You're going to realize that the word of the Lord over this house is a house that brings the one day into actuality in people's lives. If I say something prophetically, it's because I believe it's from God. Otherwise, I'm not going to talk about it. And usually you don't know things. If you look in the natural, you go like, are you serious? You know, like we look at one another. We look at church. We look at our life. Go, you mean me? I mean, you're right. And there's years where we haven't been able to activate or actualize who we are. There's an unbelief that's residing deep within us. There is a subtle doubt that's always remaining there. And that also will keep you out of the new wineskin. It's not a new building as much as a new mentality. It's a new wineskin and, and a new thinking and a new way. And like I always say, I really don't care where the people are at. And I'm that way. I mean, it, it begins in me. And I'm, and, and I'm not worried about anybody else. Because God will track everybody to the DNA you carry, if that's the DNA they want, and you guys will come one together and you will be hungry to make sure God does what he wants to do. The church that you will become in the new wineskin is not anything even closely related to anything you've known up to this day. Otherwise, otherwise why, live life, why live in the season? That's the way God operates. So all of that will be obliterated by the Spirit of God. So you can step into the new in your life and see what God has always said would happen in this house and in your life and in this region. One day Moses was taking care of Jethro's flock. Jethro was the priest of Midian, also Moses' father-in-law. When Moses led the flock to the west side of the desert, he came to Sinai in the mountain of God. You guys know the passage. It happened in a desert. He led him to a dry place, and he was in a dry place when he opened up a place that would forever change the history of a nation. So when you're in your dry places and your difficult places, it just might be the place that God's going to reveal something to you, and your life will end up watering a nation. See, when you know your identity, like I just do this because I don't have time. When Jesus said born again, the word born again, the word born again in the Greek is geneo anathem. It means born from above, birth from above, uh, birth from heaven. So in the new birth, when you give your life to Christ, genuinely repent of your sins and make him Lord. Remember the word Lord is used over 77,000 times in the Bible. The word Savior is only used 37. So really, when we come to Jesus, what we really want to be is overcome by his Lordship. And we want to absolutely be so in love with him, he becomes our king. It's not just you saved me, I'm going to heaven. It's like you're my Lord. You're everything. I want to give everything to you. All I have is yours. All I am is yours. I want you to be Lord. Because in that place of Lordship is the greatest satisfaction in your life. It's the greatest satisfaction in your life. Spirit of God is already touching you right in the seat. So you think it's got to be a time of altar call. I said the Spirit of God would touch people when I speak. Not because I speak, but because I believe God wants to touch people. So I just step out in faith, no matter what you look like. No matter, God's going to touch you. Because you came here, you were sent here today by the Spirit of God because you got a great mark on your life and God's about to release you into your destiny in a new way. And it's not a normal way people look at worship leaders because they usually want them in their house, do what they want in their house for their vision. But you might have a calling also to be in a house. Hopefully you have a shepherd that might even see your gift belongs to the world. So you being here today is part of your gifting. 
And we honor that. So the word born in the Greek means to come on the stage, make an appearance, appear in history, and be a performer of miracles. So the moment someone was born again, God identified them as a history maker, a world changer, a mountain mover, a performer of miracles. Oh, well, that's who, that's who you are. So you're, we're trying to work towards something God already said we are. You get a passport in Italy, you're born in Italy, you're Italian. You don't got to pray every day to be Italian. You don't got to take a course on how to be Italian. You don't got to sign up on a membership of Italy to become an Italian. You're Italian because you were born in that country. When you give your life to Jesus, biblically, you were born from above, carried from earth into above the moment you give your life to Jesus. This is not radical theology. It's normal truth. The moment you begin to realize that, you realize your home is heaven now, not a place you go to. And what God says about you, you are now, not you got to work, pray, fast, give to become it. You are a history maker because you're saved. You are a world changer because you're saved. doesn't mean you stand behind a pulpit. It doesn't mean that at all. It means that you're going to affect the world because you're born again. So God says, hey, John Roberts is born again. And we introduce you to another world history shaking maker. John Roberts! And all of, all of heaven rejoices. And we're trying to figure out where our button goes on our shirt still. <laughs> Believing what God says and the truth is the primary form of transformation. That's why outpourings of God do not work if there's not a renewed mind. That's why moves of God, genuine moves of the Holy Spirit, I've seen a lot of them, they don't carry and are sustained, number one, because they're not stewarded properly for the right end of it all, but also because the minds are not renewed to live the life that the presence tried to usher you into, or the experience you had becomes the experience of your life because you have the truth as the foundation that the Holy Ghost broke in to bring in your life, now wants to sustain it through renewed mind. That's how it works. Uh, okay? We're just being introduced to each other. When Moses led the flock to the west side of the desert, he came to Sinai, the mountain of God. Then the, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire coming out of a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it was not burning up. So he said, I will go and get closer to this strange thing. How can a bush consume, continue burning without burning up? This is just a translation. When the Lord saw Moses was coming to look at the bush, he said, from the bush. So God's talking to Moses out of bush, and you're worried about some of the manifestations on the planet you see. So the Almighty God decides to begin the deliverance of a nation by talking to Moses out of a bramble thorn bush in the backside of a desert. And you want to tell me God can't do this, and I think that's rather strange. God is very strange. <laughs> But he's normal to himself. So he's wondering why we keep on struggling with his strangeness, which is his normal, and denying ourselves from coming closer to something because we don't understand. I don't believe bushes should burn. Not in the desert. There's no, I mean, the sun is hot. Maybe that caused it. But it's not burning up. Hmm. Has this ever happened in church history before? Hmm. See, when God begins to move, and I don't have time, I could tell you some outrageous stories of God doing things that you would say that could never be God. <laughs> One of the things you're going to have to learn to do is to allow God to be in your house because religion is form without power, structure without life, programs without presence. Do your structure, 
do your, do your thing. But if there's no life, power, and presence, then you need to re-examine. That's right. Revisit. The only thing that matters is Him. That's right. Remember, I learned this when I was a pastor, so obviously I wasn't doing it as a pastor before. <laughs> I'm very open and honest about life. Anyway, uh, Moses said, here I am. So there's a voice. Moses, Moses. Oh, here I am. He must have thought of somehow he knew it was God. Somehow. And you will too. God said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals because you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. So here's God coming, and Moses, not knowing who God is, acts like anyone is who's religious, who doesn't know the sweetness, kindness, tenderness of God. <laughs> Anybody that knows the sweetness, kindness, tenderness, beauty of Jesus knows who he is, does not have fear when God approaches. Even if he shows you something, you know you're loved. You know you're loved. So God corrects him immediately and gives a revelation of who he is to this man who's getting, I don't want to get near this thing because you're holy, 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 holy. Santo, 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 santo. Take my shoes off. There is a place of the reverence of God, absolutely. And there's a place when you're surrendered to the majesty and the holiness and purity of God, absolutely. And God knows how to do that, so stop trying to figure it out and try to do it in your own strength. God knows going to get you more self-condemnation or self-righteousness, one or the other. Okay, and the Lord, so here's the Lord. Moses had a book. He's had a bush. Someone's talking to him out of a bush. Nobody else is there. We can't record it. We've got no witnesses. What does what God say? What's the first thing God says about himself? The Lord said, I've seen the troubles my people have suffered in Egypt, and I've heard their cries when the Egyptian slave masters hurt them. I am concerned about their pain, and I am coming down to save them from the Egyptians, and I'm going to bring them out of the land and lead them to a good land with lots of room, fertile land. It is the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. I have heard the cries of the people of Israel, and I have seen the way the Egyptians have made life hard for them. So now I'm sending you to the king of Egypt. Go bring my people out of Egypt. And Moses said, I am not a great man. You've said that a lot, John. Get over it. I'm not a great man. I'm not the man God would choose. Yeah, I've read this book and I see it over there and that will never happen. I'll never have a church like that. I'll never be that man. Stop. That's fine. You've already heard. God's already heard you tell him that. He's already heard you tell him out alone with him and the cries of your heart, even with your wife, who knows that you're remarkable, world-changing, absolutely amazing. And she wonders sometimes why you're not thinking straight about yourself. And she's very gracious, but that's right. <laughs> the biggest ministry my wife has, has done to me is her walk, her life, and her soul out to God. But also that somehow, when I could never believe in myself, she constantly kept telling me who I was. Even when God was using me in really powerful ways around the world, I still had issues. I just couldn't believe. And my wife was constantly, constantly trying to tell me who I was, according to God, encourage me. Sometimes we don't take steps to change because you don't believe who we are, what we'd be doing after we have. So we actually attract to ourselves attitudes and mindsets to stay defeated or limited or small. 
Oh, and therefore we can't hear certain things or do certain things because deep inside we don't believe we're the man. So the one thing I just came to tell you today is you're the man. For the vision God gave you. Sorry. And every time you sit with me, I'm going to remind you, I will wear you out. You know, reminding you over and over and over and over again, I will intimidate you with stories. And you'll go, oh, no, 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 I can never do that. I can, oh, no, 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 no. You know, so you start believing the truth about yourself. And the rest of you about yourself. Okay. Moses said, I'm not a great man. How can I go to the king and lead Israel in Egypt? God said, I'll be with you. This will be proof I'm sending you after you lead the people out. In other words, he says, I'm already with you. It's going to get done. By the way, after you lead them out, it's already a foregone conclusion you're going to do it. I mean, look at that. I'm with you. And by the way, after you've done this and you've been that man of God, well, uh, he's already talking to him after that's happened and having a communication that God's saying, what are you talking about? You're, you're the man. You're going to be the man I called you to be. You're going to fulfill the prophecies over your life. And by the way, once you do, I'm going to do, I'm going to do something else. A lot more in the story than just a bush. And you will worship me on this mountain. Moses said to God, when I go to Israelites, I will say to them, the God of your father sent me. What if the people say, what's his name? What should I tell them? Then God said to Moses, first time he gave his name, I am who I am. When you go to the people of Israel, tell them, I am, have sent you. Now God's name is, I, I was, I am that I am, I will be, I will be whatever I will be, and I cause all things to exist. That's what that Hebrew is, Eya Asher, Eya. So God, you just said, go tell them, I, I was, I am, and I will be whatever I want, and I cause everything to happen. Go tell Fowl, that's my name. Can you give me Jimmy, Scott, give me something to hold on to? That's some big spiritualized name. And what, so who is God then? When did God say, this is my identity? And what about his identity we're supposed to learn here? It says in the, in the King James that God saw them in their affliction, in your misery, in your trouble, in your poverty. The idea that you were looked down upon or you were browbeaten, you were put down and you were mishandled. So if any of you in life have been in that situation where there's been abuse towards you about your identity, about your sexuality, about, about your calling, about who you are as a person, that's what God says, I'm coming down to deal with. I've seen you browbeaten. I've seen you lied about. I've seen words that come in from your own family members that speak to you in such a way that denigrate you or cause you not to believe the truth. Those words are words Satan uses against you until you realize those words are know by the blood of Jesus. What the Father says about you is the only words you're going to hear from now on. And God said, I'm not going to have my people in affliction anymore. I'm not going to have them living with a false identity. I'm not going to have them being browbeaten, walking around in condemnation or any shame. I'm not going to have that anymore. I can't handle it. I hear the cries coming up to me. And my love is moving me and I'm coming down. He says he heard. The word heard means to intelligently hear for the purpose of doing what you've heard. God said, I heard these cries with intelligence because I'm going to turn around and do and answer these cries. I'm not just going to have you think I'm this way. I'm going to do it. I heard your cry. It's not just a cry. Oh, God, it's a shriek. And, it was, and, and in Genesis 2, it talks about moanings and sighings. Even when you can't even scream to God, God, 
God says, I hear you moaning. Oh, I hear you sighing. I hear you when no one hears you. I see, I, I hear you when you're driving in your car. I hear you. I hear you. And it might not be loud. It doesn't have to be. But the cry of your heart and the moaning on the inside of you, it, I can hear it as loud as day. That's all I can hear is what's going on in your life. I can't take it anymore. I'm coming down. The taskmaster means the oppressor. Speaking of the demonic and the satanic, always making things demanding, making things demanding, putting pressure on you. He said, I feel, I know your sorrows, meaning I have a complete understanding of your physical and mental pain, your grief, and I feel the pain that you feel. So I'm sending you. You're not, you're not going to Nicaragua with me. You were sent by the Father to Nicaragua apart from me. You, were not sent, you, were not, you didn't come here to touch, be a part of worship. You were sent here by the Lord. Not just, you're not going to Nicaragua being a missions trip. Are you kidding? God is sending you for a specific moment. Some of those moments, some of these can talk about what they've seen, what they've heard. There's a moment that's part of your journey. It's not just this missions trip. It's the beginning of positioning you in the thought of your father about you. He's sending there because you because he loves you and you're going to be with him. Doesn't matter. You'll be used in miracles. You'll see all this stuff. Uh, not to be all great. That's fine. It's kind of like everybody does. So it's kind of like, ask them. Ask them. I don't care who comes. They all do it. So you say, well, I'm not going. Well, you want to go? You can go and do miracles for a week and figure out how normal it's supposed to be and you come back and do more. Something happens to you when you begin to be in a mindset with people who are world changers and are taking unbelievable risk to touch an entire country. What we do is try to touch an entire country, not just do a little missions trip. You know, we, we work with the presidents. We work with every sphere of influence, every mind molder in society. We work in practical, humanitarian ways, spiritual, crusade, powerful ways, inspire thousands of young people to believe what God says about them, given from freedom and permission now in three countries by the very president himself. That's a little bit bigger than just having a crusade. My son and Dominic spoke at a crusade, 150,000 people in Managua. 150,000 people. 150,000 people that never been seen in the history of Nicaragua. Because these are the times God's going to do what's never been seen, the way it's never been done, and we are part of that. And we're the born-agains. So you're being sent. So God is trying to say, I've never changed. I feel for you. I hurt for you. I, 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 I understand the pressures in your life. I want to come down. I want to lead you out of this into a land. You're not moving from a building from a building. You're moving from a mentality of a ministry into a new land of abundance and thriving and actualizing all the prophecies in this church. That's exactly what the Word of God said. I don't come to places that are going to lose. I go to places that are only going to win, even if they think they're not going to win. Because you never know. Moses was one man talking to a bush. Or listening to a voice from the bush. You're the one man. You're the one man. I'm not waiting for everybody else to give me an amen. I just need to know it's God talking to me. Everything I believe is completely inconsistent with my background and generations for hundreds of years. If I go by my bloodline, I'm doomed. 
My bloodline began in a man that came over on the Mayflower, and he was the first man that was hung in the United States of America. That's not good bloodline. So I should be really, you know, come on. I very rarely say that. You're going like, why do you have this guy speak? Because, you know. John 20, 21, and then we'll pray. I love you, Jesus. And I like this church. And you guys like me so far. How cool. Well, we're still processing you. I'm mellow today. Relax. This was just the first service. This was Sunday school. We start the next one at quarter to 12 if you're hungry. I love you, Jesus. I have fun. I have fun serving God. Trials and tribulations are many. I love it. We're being transformed. Remember, when you're in the boat, you're not being tested. You're being trusted. So if you're going through a time in your life where the winds are beating on you and the waves are tossing and it's 3 o'clock in the morning and everybody else has no faith like the rest of the church and you're sitting there with 11 out of 12, 87% of the people are not dealing with this and you say, well, if it's Jesus, then you're going to tell me to come into the impossible. The only people that get intimate with God are the people who live in the impossible. So he asked if Jesus, that's you, call me out there where you are. Yeah, right. On the waves, three in the morning, storm everywhere, pouring down rain, you can't see, except a little bit. If that's you, tell me to go out. Yeah, come on. Great prophetic word. Come. Can you give me something else, God? Like fire in my bones, a tingling, make me laugh or cry. Give me some kind of witness here to go out and do what no man has ever done. Yeah, I am. Come. I need a word. I just gave it to you. A word. Come. And he steps out of the boat to find out if it's really Jesus. But it was impossible. If you want to be normal, then you better forget about the possibles being the reason why you do the impossible. Forget it. Hey, hey. That was a manifestation. Hey, hey. I love you guys. I'm just trying to say the things I'm supposed to say. John 20, 21. John 20, verse 19. And when it was evening on the first day of the week, the followers were together. The doors were locked because they were afraid of the older leaders. Then Jesus came and stood right in the middle of them. He just showed up. And he said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The followers were thrilled when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said again, peace be with you. And this is what he said next. As the Father hath sent me, I now send you. After this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost. And you can forgive anyone their sins. They're forgiven. If not, they're not. Now, I always thought that that was a prophetic act for the day they get filled with the Holy Ghost. But when I was reading all four gospel accounts of the resurrection, uh, I did that the day before Easter. I just, I've, done, I've done that before, so I'm not that spiritual. But I read all four accounts to my wife, and I read that verse, and I said, why would he say, receive ye the Holy Ghost? He'd breathe on him, and what's this all about? And then I realized it was connected to the verse before. I said, oh, something really did happen. Philip, something really did happen when he breathed. But it wasn't what you think. What did he say before? Even as the Father has sent me, I now 
send you. And after that, he says, he breathed and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. When he breathed, there was an impartation of something. It happened. What happened? He began to breathe on them. Now from this day and forward, you are the sent ones. And then when he stayed for 40 days after, he said he spent 40 days teaching them about the kingdom. What Jesus said after the resurrection is a little different than the way we celebrate Easter sometimes. We forget what he was saying about his own resurrection. His focus was not on you being in heaven that day. His focus wasn't on anything that he even did. His focus was a burning passion to, for you to finish what he started. And he said, even as I was sent, I'm sending you. Your identity from now on is that you are sent. You are sent into this world. You're the sent ones. And then he... So there was an impartation to begin to learn your identity so you can know who you are. And that's why people, people the, the, the church doesn't recognize who it, who it is. But you're sent. You're not being sent. You're sent to a city. This house is being sent to a city, not to continue the same old, same old, but to get your city. If you're going to be at a gate of any city, you want to change the name of your church, City Gate was great, thrive, fine. But the reality is you're still identified as a gate in a city. And gates are things where people go in and out of. So for this house, prophetically in its foundation, it's supposed to be a house where you will be going in and out of the gate, into the city, making that city yours. Just like we were sent to a nation, sent to a province, sent to the president, sent to all the political parties. We we were sent to the mayors and the police chiefs and the governors and the educators. We were sent to the poor. We were sent to the rich. We were sent to the entire country. Why? Because we recognize who we were. We've been sent by God to give nations to Jesus. I'm not about crusades. I'm about giving nations to Jesus, cities to Jesus, transformation. That's what I'm about because I know my identity. Once you know your identity, you can't think the same anymore. You can't view your life anymore. You can't sit still anymore. You can't. You know you've been sent like he was sent for the gospel of the living God. Something happens to you and the fire of God that was in that bush. God's word for this church is that this church is a burning bush in Puyallup. Wherever you're going to find a facility. Don't go backwards. Don't play safe. God's called you to go out, not live in another small place, have another small thing. That's not God. If you want to do that, there'll be those of you who say, I think I'm comfortable with that. They won't, you'll shake them off because they're not willing to move into the supernatural and the impossible when miracles are happening every day. When God calls you, God calls you to be sent. And he's the one, the only one that can give you the money. He's the only one that can give you the fire. He's the only one that can do it for you. But you're willing to say, oh, you can send me. Here am I. We always preach those, say, here am I, send me. You know, it's a little bit better than that. It's like, here am I. I'm willing to be sent. Breathe on me. Give me the enabling power. Give me the impartation of the Spirit of God in my life to help me to become that I say yes. I've learned many times my saying yes doesn't mean heaven opens and a deluge comes. I said yes. Almost all of my decisions have been simply will. 
I will something and then happens it's not like I get wiped out or sometimes you get hit by the power of God and go amen but you're not really willing yet so the main thing is that do you want to be this church? The identity of this church is to be a burning bush in Puyallup. The identity of this church is to hear the cries of the people. It's hearing the cries. It's asking God for a punctured heart where you hear the cries of mankind. You hear the cries of those in your church. You hear the cries. When I walk in here, because I'm to see a little bit, I'm, and I'm looking around, I feel things about people. I hear the cries on the inside of them. It's not something I'm some supernatural, spiritual, what a knowledge guy. I'm just a born again. I'm just Earl. I'm not some anything. All I am is I come and I feel for people. I was prophesying over your wife right there in the, in the foyer. Pray for her here. Pray for them. Why? Because I feel the call of God in their life. I feel what's really on the inside of them. And I'm not willing to not see them get it. I'm not willing to not see them get it. So I, I walk right up. You know, you say, well, that's just you. No, that's just not just me. What would you do if you feel something for somebody? Oh, hi. Nice to meet you. My God, he's a man of God. I started talking to him right there. And him too. I just went right after it. I'm not here to sit down in my pew, get ready, be some speaker, get some massive offering, go change the world, have dinner with the pastor. Thank you, bro. I'm here for relationship. I'm here for you. I'm here for you to believe the truth about yourself and begin to believe God and try to sow something into this vision so it can come to pass because I believe in your pastor and his wife. And I believe in your vision. I know how it works. So he ain't been around here 20 years. So that changes what you believe? You need to have a revisit with God. I've worked with many people all over the world that didn't have a clue who they were. And I believed in them when they were down. I believed in them when they were in sin. I believed in them when they fell away. I believed in them when they were going through the hardest time in their life because God showed them who they were. And I believe what God said, who they were. I've seen something happen in a relationship that I've known for 40 years. The only word I got from that, that brother for 40 years, a W, meaning win. And there's so many things that have happened in that person's life you would never believe. How could I believe that? But yet I sat down yesterday, that man had coffee, and listened to stuff that was coming out of his mouth. And what's happened being and happened inside of him. And I said, man, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't much of a prophet in your life. But I know one thing, I saw a W. That's the only thing I've told you for years. W, win. Didn't have much more than that, sorry. But that's the thing that works before God. So this church is going to be a burning bush in Puyallup. You're going to be a, a, a church where God comes down in your life. See, God wants to touch this woman today. Did you know that? So you're going to be a church that when you come into the church, you're not going to, I'm just telling you the way it's going to be. You're not going to be sitting down, high by and all this stuff. You're going, to, you're going to walk into the church, not for anything you can receive from God anymore. You're going to come into this church and you're going to look around and find out where you can give something from God. I don't even know you. I'm giving you 40 bucks. In other words, when we go to church, we look at people. I didn't feel like doing that. I never felt that to the moment. And that's what's going to happen to you. When you got it all figured out, see, when God wants to invade your world, say, give now. God wants to invade your world, say, go now. God wants to invade your world, say, pray for them now. God says, go over and say hi to your neighbor now. You just move. Because you know why you're alive. And you're just waiting instructions to be sent, to give, to pray, to live, to love. And though you have this relationship with God when you're doing it, that you'll never give up. This is a sent church. You're sent to one another. You're sent to one another. 
You send to each other. So when you come to church, this is what it's going to look like. When people come in, it's not just a sweet little time we say, how are you? And that is great and meaningful too. When you walk into the door, you're going to be eyes on fire for the burning bush God, looking to find sorrow, looking to find pain, looking to find hurt. Really, your wallet's already God's. If your wallet's not God, you're not a disciple. Forget it. You believe in Jesus, but you're not a disciple. Everything you have is God's. And when you get free from all this stuff, then you can be free and God lets you keep stuff. Thank you, Jesus. But you can go and bless people. I've been watching, looking at you the whole service. And something's happening to you when I'm talking today. Because you're a serious man, but you want the genuine. You want the genuine. You want the real. You know, you're that kind of a guy. You're real smart, too. So you maybe would analyze a few things, but your heart is so pumping in front of my face, I can always stand it. You got this pumping, pumping heart that's going to burst out on the inside of you. And so people don't really know who you are, but the Holy Ghost is coming on you right now. People don't really know who you are, but I can see that one thing about you right now, a heart that's on the inside of you that's literally too big for your life. It's too big for your body. It's too big for you. You've got this heart on the inside of you, and sometimes the enemy puts you down because you're not doing this, and you're not being this, and you're not acting the way your heart wants to act, and you get frustrated, and the enemy tears you up. May that end today in the name of Jesus. And when that's happening, the Holy Ghost comes on you in the name of Jesus, and the Spirit of God's falling on you in the name of Jesus. God's erupting on the inside of you. And that's what begins to happen. If you're looking for souls and you're looking for people, you're looking, God will help you locate pain, suffering, need, and you'll be able to step into it. Your hands are the hands of Jesus. You'll learn that. And the reality is you'll be a different man. You in the blue shirt, you have no clue who you really are. You're not just some musician up there. You got a mark on your life that God must have literally released to you and through you in an ever increasing way, and you feel it as I say it. Yes. Okay? Yes. So let's just stand because I want to honor the time, which will never be, which you will not have a clock in the days to come. And you say, you shouldn't say that you're offending the pastor. I'm not offending anybody. How can you offend somebody that's going to be have a revival church, an epicenter of the presence of God? I've been in churches when God showed up. The next service began by stepping over the bodies of the people in the first service. Service started 2,000 years ago. It's just continuing. We'll jump in at any time we can. That's just the way I look at it. It works for me. It works for me. So I, all I'm saying is, Pastor and his wife, I want you to stand up here if it's okay. I'm inviting you to stand here. Are there any leaders in this church? Elders, deacons, people? Any leaders, home group, worship? Come on up here, please. Puff of all. Come on, I want you guys to come up. Come on, okay, who it is? You're a part of that. Get up here. I'm not usually gentle when we get down to business, and he can handle it. He, he's a man's man. Just stand over here. Okay, great. Here's what we're going to do. You don't got to face the people. You don't care what you do. But you're the leaders of this church. All I want you to do is embrace the reason why I came. Will you be willing to be the sent ones? Will you, will, will you recognize your new identity no matter how many years have gone by, how the church hasn't gone, or whatever things you want to say? Bury it. Flush it. Bury it. And say, you know what? We are in transition. Not to continue in the old. And, then, and don't get upset at one another. You don't know exactly where you're going yet. Neither did Moses. God knows exactly how to get you to the bush. He knows exactly how to get you to the place. And start believing with one another what God wants and be hungry for. Is that good? 
So what I'm going to do, give you 30 seconds. That's it. To say, I'm going to do this. Are you willing to do this? Changes everything in your life. I'm sent. I'm sent. I am a man. Are you going to say any more to God? But God. Are you going to end that but God stuff? Don't look at me. I love it. Well, I get the fear of God on me. I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise. Let me cross myself 80 times. I'll do whatever. God's already seen the cry of your heart. He's already seen the cry. You guys are beautiful people. You really are. No, you really are. I'm not just saying that because I'm a flatterer. I think, John, you know me. I'm not a flatterer. I'm not a flatterer, people. But I, but I do see the beauty in people, and I do want people to know that and everything like that. So the one thing you guys got to do today, you might just hold hands. Just get a little circle. Is this part of a routine? Nope, never did it like this before. I'm not holding your hand. <laughs> I want you to pray as a pastor, and everybody just say, you guys, I want you to be willing. You're going to be sent. To, you're, you're being sent. You were sent to Puyallup. Is that what you want to say, Puyallup? Yes. So you are sent to this city, yes. and God wants to breathe on you today and impart the ability to know how that works for you. The how-to always trips us up, as, but not, as, not for too long, as long as we know the who. So, Lord, your presence is here right now. John, I'd like you to come. Keith.